This is the Code of Sisterhood, a place where girls and women can gather in a safe space to grow. Here, we stand for support, respect, reliance, and love. I invite you to join my community and connect more deeply with your intuitive insights, to reclaim your personal power, and to live your best life in freedom. My name is Samantha Louise. I'm a women's leadership cultivator, and I'm honored to welcome you to the Code of Sisterhood. Welcome to the Code of Sisterhood. Today, I have another special guest. Her name is Sydney Grant, and we met through the Rural Health Leadership Radio podcast. Um, she and her team member, Bill, had really amazing questions and, and conversation together with me when I was a guest on their show. And I learned that Sydney has her master's in healthcare administration and is very passionate also about rural health. So today, our conversation is going to take on some flavors of community health, public health, and what it means to thrive and be well together in sisterhood. All right, good morning and welcome to the show, Sydney. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Samantha. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, we're going to dive right into the usual symbols of sisterhood to begin. So for you, what color or what word represents sisterhood? Yes, I'm really excited to answer these questions. I, uh, I'm a, we were just talking about this before we got on the call, but I'm a notes and a very research-oriented person. So for this one in particular, for color, um, I wanted to do a little bit of research to, to see if there's any, you know, symbolism in there or things like that. And um, my gut told me purple or pink, and I was right on one of those. Actually, purple apparently does have um, some, some attached meaning to sisterhood. And um, I read actually that purple and yellow lend themselves to um, contemporary feminism, whereas um, I think purple and green are, are supposed to represent traditional feminism. So I had no idea, but purple is that kind of underlying theme there. And um, I know it's got some other, you know, uh, symbolism behind it, but I thought purple would be a great, great color for that. Mm, I love that. And I love that you did your research on that. I had to. I had That's to. That's so great. <laughs> That's what I would do, too. It's great. Um, can you tell us some theme music or a genre of music or perhaps a very specific song? Yes, I can. Sisterhood? Actually, and, and I'm sure you'll be shocked to know I did some research on this, too. <laughs> um, I uh, It's the best way I find to collect my thoughts, but... Um, I like my oldies music. They're like um, older music, I would say. And uh, the song that kind of jumped out to me first, well, I started thinking about bands, artists, and um, people, you know, bands or artists who were powerful women, strong women, influential women. And um, one of the first things that came to mind was Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. She's awesome. Um, and so then I started thinking about Fleetwood Mac songs. And I mean, they have so many great ones, but um, The Chain by Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac really stood out to me. Um, cause I know, I think when they were putting that song together, there was a lot of internal, uh, conflict going on between them, but the song, you know, kind of symbolized how even, you know, despite this internal conflict that it was best to stand strong together and remain united. Um, and I just thought that was really did speak to sisterhood, you know, that, you know, in spite of what internal or external issues or conflicts are going on, 
uh, you know, it's important to stay strong with each other and remain united. There's more strength together. So I thought uh, that the chain by Fleetwood Mac was very fitting. That's beautiful. That's a new one. I haven't heard that before. Cool, cool. How about a person, someone present in your life, or perhaps a historical figure that models sisterhood or community? Yeah, I I loved thinking about this too. And the first thing that came to mind for me um, when I was in graduate school, getting my master's in um, healthcare administration, I um, met a group of of young ladies who we were all you know about you know anywhere to a year or three years apart from each other in age, um, which really just spoke to how timing is everything because we were all on such different timelines and all managed to be starting this program at the same time all together. It just felt very, very fate-like. But there was a group of five of us and we truly became, that was the first real sisterhood I ever actually experienced. Like one where it was unwavering. You know, there wasn't any question about, you know, loyalties to each other that we wanted the best for each other. There was no question at all between the five of us. And um, that was the first time I really experienced an actual true sisterhood. And so uh, when I think of a person, it's really people to me, but we all became so close with each other that we would say we're all just, you know, one fifth of a brain and we come together and make a whole one. Um, And so we really got through some, you know, highs and lows going through grad school can be a roller coaster. Um, And so we were really a very successful team, you know, in our personal lives and in academics and careers and all of that. So it was a great group of girls. Shout out to them. Um, They were an excellent first real sisterhood for me. So they really represent, you know, when I think of people that define sisterhood, it's them. I love that. That's beautiful. And the expression of or the the modeling of sisterhood as a collective it's so cool because it speaks to the to the power that everyone brings from their own leadership. Oh yeah, right? it's not a rallying of a group by one person. It's what you said about there's no question. It was unwavering loyalty. You were just there, all in. They had to Great. keep us apart. Was really the problem. They <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh, um. So you talked a little bit about how that authentic sisterhood feels. Um. I know a lot of girls and women that I talk to, one of the, the, the big differentiators is the word authentic. So from your perspective, how do you how would you discern or differentiate between the authentic sisterhood, that sense of you just knew? How did you pick up on that as opposed to maybe previous times where you had built friendships that didn't last? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I like to think about that in, in retrospect. It's interesting to see how differently people can be. But um, when I think about authentic sisterhood, I think about no facades. You know, there's no, nobody has to put on a front. There's no need for a mask or, you know, there was just no, no walls, no barriers between us. And I feel like deep down inside of us, whether we like to admit it or not, we can always kind of feel when, when you have to put up a facade with someone, you know, or if you find yourself you know, deleting that text that you were going to send them because you think, oh, I might be annoying them. I don't, you know, I don't want to annoy them. Uh, I never had that feeling, you know, with, with these women. It was, well, we'll get the 16th text from me today. Too bad. Like, you know, that's what we all signed up for. But that was the thing was it was, you know, totally mutual. Everybody reciprocated that. So I guess reciprocation is a part of, um, I think, authentic sisterhood and and not feeling 
there was no feeling of, of burden. You know, I, I, we wanted to do these things for each other. So it wasn't like, oh man, I have to go help so-and-so with that project. It was like, oh, I get to go help so-and-so with that project. And then I know when I need the help, they'll turn right around and, and help me when I need it. And um, so that reciprocation and, and no facades, I think is just, you know, that transparency. It's makes you vulnerable, but that's what really creates the authentic relationship, I think. Hmm. So from we're going to pivot a little bit deeper into your own experience. So we're going to start with today or in this season of your life. What's really big on your heart? What kinds of passions are surfacing or calling are you hearing? Yes, I like that you say this season of my life because that's the way that it kind of it feels. Um, but when I was thinking about this question, I just I, I, you know, I'm at an early stage of my career and and I've been, you know, having lots of great experiences. And I think a lot of those have pointed me towards like leadership development and confidence building just in general confidence. Um, you know, speaking up for yourself, that's just something I think about all the time. And, and I now in my more adult life, I've met, I've been meeting a lot more women and, and colleagues and things like that, that we share lots in common. And then we start having these types of conversations. And I just realize how, uh, different our mindsets are in, and not in a negative way at all. You know, that's, that's part of the beautiful thing of meeting new people is you get a, a different mindset. Um, but there were things where I would, you know, we'd exchange conversation and I'd think, oh no, you're looking at it all wrong. Like, you know, and, and it's, it's fascinating what a shift in mindset can, can do for a person. And it's just like the little things, you know, like somebody's applying for a job and, you know, the one requirement says, oh, well, you need five years of experience in, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's, it's so easy to say, oh, well, I don't have five years, so I'm, I can't get that job. So I'll just look for something else. And it's like, you know, my immediate response is, you don't need five years apply anyway. And, and I think classically, I always say, what's the worst thing that can happen? They say, no. All right. Well, then you move on to the next job application like you were already going to do, you know? So I, I think, um, confidence building is just so important. And I've been so fortunate that I've had role models in my life who have perpetuated self confidence for me. And I feel like it's now my turn to share that with other people. Um, so I just, you know, I think the confidence and leadership development go hand in hand, but that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Mm, that's wonderful. And leads us into the next question about phases or moments of aloneness, feeling unheard or invisible during your lifetime. Can you tell us a story about what it yes. was like before you had some of this confidence and self-expression? Yes, I would love to tell you a story. I could tell you lots of stories. Um, but I think a lot of, so when I think about, you know, isolation or disconnection, I think disconnected was a great word for some of the experiences I had, especially when I was in a younger age, like high school, that high school age, you know, that lovely time. Um, and so I definitely was disconnected from sisterhood in that high school age. I, I had female friends and all that, you know, great stuff, but it wasn't, you know, sisterhood. And, um, uh, and they were, you know, few and far in between because I, you know, I was very outspoken. Um, one could say I went against the grain often. And, um, that to me typically meant I was doing the right thing. That's, that's kind of what I'd always been raised on was, you know, don't, don't be afraid to be the person that goes against the grain, you know, follow your beliefs, stand up for what you believe in. And so, 
uh, you know, in, and a, a lot of the times it would come through, I think in sports with, with young girls can be a very interesting time. You know, there's, I know competition is something we'll talk about later in the conversation, but um, competition definitely takes a different life when you're, you know, playing competitive sports as a young girl. And so I think I saw that a lot in that period of time of my life, especially in high school. And so, you know, you have the girls that, you know, want your uniform to look this way, or everybody has to go out and buy this belt for tomorrow's game. And, and I, I have a very clear memory of being like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's silly. You know, it's 8 p.m. Nobody's going out to buy a belt at 8 p.m. for the game tomorrow. And they were like, so you're not going to buy a belt? And I was like, no, we, my parents don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And that was like earth shattering that somebody had said that somebody objected, you know? And so at any time, you know, I find would find myself and still do, but much more back then um, as the outspoken person and the more outspoken I became that just kind of fed into my self-confidence. And of course it helped to have parents who were very supportive of that. You know, they, they would tell me, you know, stand up even if you're alone, you know, or, you know, don't, don't be the follower, be the leader. And so a, a lot of my uh, young life, I felt like I was identifying a lot of followers and not a lot of leaders. And so that was another motivator to just keep doing that. You know, someone's, someone's got to do it. <laughs> you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, and so I love a challenge. And so that's kind of, uh, kind of like a, where that disconnection, you know, started things for me, but definitely a, a phase of my life where that happened a lot. Yeah. I think that's really, really an amazing skill, um, to be able to stand up against, not even against something, but just stand up for yourself and say, no, mm-hmm. it's making me think of, a, uh, I watched an interview of Jane Fonda recently and just thinking about like her legacy and the work that she's done in the world. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's only been until about 10 years ago in my life that I realized no was a full and complete sentence. I love that. Right. And to think about a woman like that, that looks and seems so powerful and strong. And that's like her takeaway in, in this phase of her life right now yeah. is the things that she wouldn't have done in her career that other people said she had to, if she knew that she could say no. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, what do you think is the greatest lesson or a blessing that came out of this phase of your life? I mean, you've talked about confidence. What else came out of it? What other skills? Yeah, I think a lot. Um, That was definitely like a pivotal or lots of formative, you know, lessons during that time of my life, just because there was so much, um, you know, I was meeting a lot of other young people and, you know, there was lots of opportunity for interaction and, and opportunities like this. And so, um, like I was alluding to before, uh, I, I feel like, in those times, I learned how to identify who is a follower and who is a leader, you know, so the people that are going to stand their ground with you, you know, who do you really want to tie yourself to? Do you want to tie yourself to the fair weather friend or do you want to, you know, tie yourself to somebody that's going to stand there with you like a rock, you know? Um, so I think that was one thing that I definitely learned from that, you know, in addition to the confidence building and and learning that being the outspoken person for me at least, typically meant I was doing the right thing, you know, by not being the person that just went, you know, and not with everything, not with the silly things, but, you know, the things that mattered. Um, If I was the one with the different, you know, opinion, I was probably doing the right thing. Um, And so that also kind of taught me to take the the path less traveled 
um, which, which I've embraced a lot, you know, going into my adulthood and especially my career, I just, you know, felt like the path less traveled has so much more to offer to me and, and always has. And so kind of ingrained that in me too, you know, don't be afraid to, to take the risk, you know, to stand up for what you believe in, to be the person that says it, because, you know, uh, there's also been lots of times where I was the person who said the thing that 50% of the rest of the people were thinking and didn't want to stand up and say. And so, you know, you never know whose, uh, whose line you might tap by, by speaking up and might encourage them to, to join you just as much. So learned a few things <laughs> from those, from those phases of life. Yeah. And in your life right now, what's, what's the inspiration or passion behind you supporting sisterhood or phrased a little bit differently? Why are you so passionate about women's empowerment? I just think I love this question. Um, and I could talk forever about it, but I, I've, and I've kind of hinted at this a little bit through our conversation. Um, I've been so fortunate to have people in my life who have supported me and taught me self-confidence and, and consistently throughout my life, you know, even to this day. Um, and so as I've, you know, grown up and had more of these intimate conversations with people, I realized that I might be in the minority on that. And so I then feel in the most positive way possible, the responsibility to share what I have. So because I, I have, you know, self-confidence and, and all of this, you know, wonderful character, I <laughs> like to think that it's better for me to share it, you know, you got to give it away to keep it sort of thing. Um, and so I feel like this is my opportunity to help create sisterhoods, you know, I experienced a really good one. And they're still I, I experience them more every every day, which is great. Um, and now it's my chance to give back in the way that I know how to give back, which is sharing exactly what's been shared to me, you know, being being their voice of self-confidence and motivation and, and, you know, the person that says, what's the worst that happens? You know, you have to reject them. Oh, no, you have too many options. Watch out. You know, that's really the worst thing that happens is you have to reject someone or reject a job offer or, you know, have too many good things to pick from. So um, I just think it's it's my turn now to share the mindset shift a little bit. So, um, and it's very rewarding and I make wonderful friends throughout the process. So you can't really beat that. Right. That's awesome. And thinking about girls now, what are, what are some of the gaps that you have identified in young girls or teenagers, specifically thinking about uh, a lot of the competition and distrust between women Mm -hmm. It starts when we're girls, right? So yeah. what do you think are some of the gaps in healthy girlhood and teenhood development? Yeah, um, this is a very interesting question because like I've mentioned, I've I've had lots of great healthy, you know, relationships growing up and my my mom is a wonderful role model in my life. Um and um like I've said, conversations I've had with friends, I realized that not everybody has the same relationship, you know, with their mom or or a female figure in their life. And sometimes it can be quite appalling, you know, to hear some of the experiences that people have been through. Um, and, and that, you know, just makes me think. And, and, you know, I think one important thing is not for ourselves to not project our insecurities onto other people, you know, especially young girls, you know, they are at the most formative time in their life. So why not form them with some self-confidence, you know, 
let's go the other direction. So I think, and, and people do it subconsciously too. I don't, I don't think it's always a, a conscious thing that people do, but I think it happens. Um, and, and I've heard lots of other people's experiences like that. And, um, eventually, you know, they, they come around to their adulthood and realize, you know, oh, so-and-so was projecting their insecurities onto me. It wasn't about me. It was about them, you know, but that's hard for young girls to, it's hard for adults to conceptualize, you know, let alone young girls who are already going through so much change. So I think being aware of that, you know, being transparent in a positive way, I think transparency and open-mindedness are so, so important. One of my favorite quotes ever is um, having a closed mind is one of the most expensive things you can have, which I know isn't, you know, necessarily on par with young girls, but it just, it just speaks to being open-minded, you know, it's, it's so important. And um, I think the transparency thing is, is important too, because like I was saying before, there've been lots of experiences in my life where I was the person who had the uh, unfavorable opinion. And then when I spoke up, you know, 10 other girls said, Oh no, no, no. I agree with that. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that too. Or, you know, they, they said, Oh, well, I was just waiting for somebody else to say it. You know, it's amazing what, what a difference it can make when you just say, you know what, I'm going to say it. So I think that transparency is more important, you know, than we, than we think it is in, in kind of establishing common ground that then allows us to be vulnerable with each other because somebody's always got to make the first move, right? Somebody's always got to be the bigger person or the vulnerable person who says, you know, Hey, I've, I've been there before. Have you? And then, you know, the rest is history. So just being transparent, open-minded, thinking about our, you know, not projecting our insecurities onto other people, especially young girls is uh, some, some steps that we can take. Um, I, I actually really love the quote that you shared. Thank you. I think it's so perfect for girls and women especially in the sense of like, as, as we're conditioned culturally to believe or feel or perceive the world in a certain way that we do lose out on a lot. We can, yeah. we can lose out on a lot. And it's, it's sometimes not things that we can specifically measure, but mm-hmm. lose right. Out on Expensive joy. can mean different things. Exactly. You know? yeah. And that's yeah. a whole nother mindset thing. Right. But mm-hmm. to consider from girlhood to teenhood to adulthood, there are many women that start to lose their identity or disconnect with it to lose or disconnect with joy, inner creativity, like Mm -hmm. all these different elements that comprehensively make up who we are and and what we could be doing in the world. Sometimes our calling is lost and that's Mm -hmm. the expense, right? So I love that. That can go in so many different directions depending on who we are. Let's have a whole conversation just about that quote. We could, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, how about for men? How do they contribute or what role do they play in girls' empowerment, women's empowerment, or just the development of healthy girls to women? Yes. Um, I know I've said this about all of your questions, but I love this question. Um, so like I've mentioned before, I've been really lucky. So I've had lots of men in my life, you know, from girlhood to now who have made such strong impacts you know, positive, strong impacts on me. Um, I'll shout out to my dad. He's, he's the best. Um, he's always, always been an advocate for just simple equality, you know? So, um, which I think has been the underlying theme with a lot of the male figures in my life is just plain old equality, creating space for equality. And, and then once they've created that opportunity, 
actually having the confidence in, you know, that girl, that young woman or whoever it is to do what they've, you know, created the space for. So, you know, whether that was in sports or academics or music, whatever thing I was into, you know, I was, was lucky to have coaches who did care my, and, and luckily my dad was my coach for most of my life. So, you know, and I, I saw that mindset shared, which is great. You know, there's, there's a lot of young girls who don't simply do not have that experience in sports growing up, you know, that can go so many different ways. And so, you know, to have a coach that actually cares and, and, you know, I can remember so many times growing up, uh, we would start a practice or end a practice or a game and whatever. And my dad would always say, you know, if you leave with a lesson, a life lesson, then you actually did it right. You know, it's not about winning the game. It's about learning lessons from the sport. And so, you know, things like that and, and treating even on our team, right? Our team of young girls, whatever it might be, you know, everybody was equal. If you were the best of the best, you were number one, all county, you were just the same as the person who, who wasn't, you know, if you didn't show up for practice, you don't get to play the next game. You know, the, the equality is important even, you know, between men and women, but especially when it's, you know, us women together, we have to be fair even still. So creating the opportunity for simple equality, I think is so important. And then actually engaging in, in confidence, you know, embracing that for those people, you know, saying, oh, well, well, Sydney will do this. And, you know, she's very qualified for the role and she can handle it. You know, there's no, no wavering in, in their confidence. I think that's really important. Um, and then I know personally, my, my upbringing was a, a little non-traditional, you know, so typically, you know, in our society, you would have your, your dad or, you know, the husband, the man is the breadwinner who works the nine to five and the mom takes care of the kids and, you know, things like that. And, and I know that's a, that's a norm that's not, not evolving a lot now, you know, it's dissipating, which I think is cool, but that's where I'm going with that was my upbringing was the reverse of that. So my, my dad would work really, really early morning hours as a trainer. And then when it was time for my mom to get ready to go to work, my dad would come home and take care of the kids. And so not the normal dynamic back then, you know, and, and it definitely made a difference in how I view relationships with people in general, but certainly, you know, dynamics in, in uh, romantic relationships, you know, so many people have a very cookie cutter perspective on what that should be like. And mine was never a cookie cutter ever, you know, it was freeform. Um, so I think that was really important in, in, you know, lending that too to the open-mindedness, you know, it doesn't always have to be what you're told, you know, if you can make it work a different way, go for it. And so I think that certainly played a role in how I grew self-confidence as a, a young girl and a, and a, a woman now, you know, having parents who instilled that in me and said, you know, there's, there's not a stereotype to follow. And, and they instilled that in my brother or any young person that was around, whether it was a boy or a girl, you know, there, there wasn't a stereotype to fulfill. There wasn't a societal norm to fill. It was, you know, whatever was going to work best. So I think those types of role models make such a difference. And I'm so lucky to have had that experience. I know it's not the same for everyone. Um, so, you know, having parents who kind of broke those molds, I think definitely <laughs> led me to have a, a different view on relationships and then, you know, helped me develop in a, in a way that, uh, just create a very open mindset and a, 
very confident person. So I was very lucky with that too. I love that. And and then from that comment, what I want to take away for myself is the idea that your parents broke the molds so that you can live that free form, that freestyle. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that free form. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's refreshing. So for ad- advice for girls and women engaging in sisterhood and community authentically, what are three qualities or skills that you suggest girls and women continue to cultivate so that their sisterhoods are healthy and functional? Yeah, I think um, one of the first things that came to mind was boundaries. Um if you know me, you know, I've said a million times, I have more boundaries than anybody I know. Um, and, and in a healthy way, of course, in a healthy way. Um, but I think boundaries are so important for young, for young girls, women, everyone truly across the board, but especially for women, you know, we typically don't, don't have as simple of a time creating a boundary. Um, so I think having boundaries personally and, you know, with other people is so important and learning, if you can learn from a young age to say no, you know, to learn to say no, it's like, like we just discussed the Jane Fonda piece, you know, it took her all that time to realize no was a full and complete sentence. And so imagine if, you know, we start out as young girls knowing that and, you know, even with our friends, not even with, you know, partners and things just in general to know that you can say no, and that's okay. Um, So I think creating boundaries is super important. Um, Learn to stand up, even if you're by yourself. Um, I've, stood by that my whole life. Um, and that's what my parents instilled in me and, and lots of other, you know, role models in my, in my world have, have told me, you know, stand up, even if you're alone, because you, chances are you're not, you know, you may be the only one standing, but chances are you're not alone. So, um, I think that's a super important one. And then be picky about where you spend your, your time and energy. You know, I think it's so important to be comfortable with yourself. Um, you know, at the end of the day, can you be your own best friend? You know, what's your self-talk like? You know, would you would you talk to your best friend the way that you're talking to yourself, you know? And um, so I think it's so important to learn to be comfortable with yourself so that you're not, you know, tied to somebody else to do something, you know, take yourself out to eat, go ship that package by yourself. You don't have to run errands with another person. You can do it by yourself because, you know, I'm my best company. I'm my favorite person to be around, you know? Um, and so I think it's important to be picky about where energy is spent because, uh, I, I just think energy, you know, I know that's a broad term, but I think it's, you know, you can either use it in a positive way that creates more energy or it can just get sucked right out of you, you know? And I think it's important to spend your energy in the places where it's going to multiply, for you, where it's with people that are going to take your energy and then, you know, multiply it for you by giving it back in other ways. And, and so I think it's just really important to be picky about where you, where you spend your energy and your, your personal time. Mm, that's a powerful one. They all blend very nicely together, but I, I love that. Be picky. It's be okay picky. to be picky. Create some boundaries <laughs> and be picky. Why not? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and for anyone that says otherwise. Yeah. Kick them to the curb. Sorry. That's right. Uh, This has been very refreshing and energizing. So where can people find you and connect with you and support your passions moving forward? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn. I will share my LinkedIn information with Samantha so that everybody can connect with me there and my email as well. But LinkedIn's the best place to find me really. And I'm, I'm always happy to take emails too, but 
Um, I've enjoyed our conversation very much. I'm, I'm always happy to share some stories and and share some advice that's worked for me. So thank you so much for having me, Samantha. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.